Okay, this is the last message in this series on the School of Humility. How many of you have been enjoying the School of Humility? Yes. If you missed any of the sessions, please, please catch up via the internet. It seems like we really hit a nerve last week when I spoke on the subject of familiarity. And I know that uh, people covered that in small groups and also in the prayer meeting, just going deeper and deeper. And for me, it's so fulfilling because how many of you know that when you just listen to a message, just by hearing... Generally speaking, psychologically, you only retain 5%, okay? If you're just sitting and just hearing. I know the anointing is there. I know we are claiming things and so on, right? But it's important to then have the discussions. That's why small groups are important. It's important to then go to prayer meetings where we're praying into these particular things. Amen. Amen. So I want to encourage you to get into the habit of doing so. I know some people, they listen to messages over and over again after they've been preached in a church setting. And that's how we get that word into our spirit, into our inner person. How many of you know that when the word of God comes into you, it comes as a seed? It comes as a seed. But then we have to do the work of watering it in order to grow it so that it takes effect in our lives. So who can tell me, and I've got a prize for you, without looking at your notes, who can tell me the first four... All the people who are competitive are really looking up. You know, like my wife was looking down at her notes or whatever she was doing. And the moment I said, who can tell me, you know, and there'll be a prize. All the competitive people. Anyway, uh, who can tell me the first four without looking down at your notes? The first four shades of pride that we've covered. Okay, Ishe? Slander. Slander was one of them. Haughtiness. Haughtiness. Familiarity. What was the first one? Self-reliance. Now, how do you share the prize? How do we do it? <laughs> I'll have to figure out something. Okay, but that was brilliant. The fact that you remembered three. Amen. All right. So we're going to continue today. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you are here in our midst. And we thank you that you're going to share with us something this morning that's going to transform our lives as we close this series. We're open to your word, Lord. Change us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The fifth shade of pride, I have to be careful, I don't say of gray, of pride, (laughs) is boasting. 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 How many of you like boasters? You see, this is so important that we speak about this subject because the Bible tells us that God resists the proud. God over, he he opposes the proud. He comes against them like ranging himself up in war against those who are proud. But if we don't know the different shades of pride, we'll be walking in pride unaware. And, And saints, ignorance is not bliss. So let's talk about boasting there's an interesting story shared by a particular doctor dr newman Uh, i think his first name was frederick he says i had a memorable experience a number of years ago i ran into an acquaintance of mine who was standing on a street corner waiting for a red light to change i had not seen him since i'd graduated college 10 years before how many of you have been to high school reunions raise your hand college reunions okay Very often there's a lot of boasting that happens, isn't there? Right? Especially with guys. (laughs) Women will boast about who they're in relationship with and how many kids they have and things like that. But with men, it's about what you do. But anyway, so this guy bumps into this this old um, student who he was at varsity with, at college with. So he says, hey, Walter. I said enthusiastically, coming up to him. Hi, Fred. He said, smiling. How are you? Fine. And you? How have you been? Now that's a dangerous question to ask someone at a high school reunion. How have you been? Or what do you do? Now watch this guy. Well, you know, I went to med school. Um, I've been doing medicine ever since. 
did research on hearing in rabbits, cochlear implants. I won an award for it. As a matter of fact, it was a French award. I got back just a while ago. Recently, I was appointed the head of ENT at Downstate. They tell me I'm the youngest head of department anywhere in the country. I gave a series of lectures on Meniere's disease, very well received. Um, looking forward now to a meeting in Aspen where I'm a featured speaker. Also, I'm writing a chapter for the new Harrisons. Um, it ought to be out soon. It's nice seeing you. <laughs> okay. Then the lights changed and Walter crossed the street, leaving me standing on the street corner, my mouth hanging open a little. Now we laugh at that, but we all know this happens even in church, doesn't it? It happens in church, you see, and the issue is the intent. Because someone can share a testimony and the intent is to inspire you and to encourage you, and you can see that. But other times someone can share a testimony and really what they're saying, if you could hear their thoughts, it's please worship me. I just need a bit of worship. Please just give me glory. That's really their intention when they say the particular thing. So what we mean by boasting? Boasting is where you speak excessively about your exploits, okay, with the intention of getting worship from people. With the intention of getting worship from people. And you see some people are very flamboyant about it, but other people can do it very soft-spoken. I am fundisi, you know. God is good. Yeah, I'm you know. God. Yeah, you know. I just thank the Lord, you know, because you yeah, are my son. And you can even boast about other people, but the glory isn't going to God. The glory is going to you. Parents do it a lot. I want to be respected more by you, so let me tell the whole world about how great my kids are and how perfect they are. We want to go very in-depth into this. We don't want to leave a stone unturned. Is that okay? And remember, the key thing is about intent. There's nothing wrong with telling people how wonderful your children are. But is God giving the glory at the end of the day? There's nothing wrong with telling people how wonderful your church is and your pastors are. But is God getting the glory at the end of the day? How many of you know that God is a jealous God? You see, we were created to boast. I mean, when we are praising God, that's boasting. But we are boasting in Him. And if we're not praising Him or boasting in Him, we'll always be boasting about something else. In Luke chapter 12, verses 19 to 20, it says, And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. One of the terms I don't like using when I'm talking about people is, so you're set. There's nothing like that. No one is set. You know, sometimes we see someone and they look a bit successful and say, ah, hey, dude, you're set. How many of you know that when we talk about jelly setting, as, as the jelly set yet, it's still, it doesn't change. It's immovable, right? It's not in liquid form anymore. But how many of you know that if you say someone is set, by implication, you basically saying they're sorted. There's no risk anymore. They're sorted for life. But I mean, the only thing that we're certain of is Jesus' love for us. Yes. What have you become certain of in your life? Oh, pastor, I've been made permanent. And it's this massive idol in our lives. I'm set. I've been made permanent. And then the next year, the company does a restructuring and you lose your job. There's nothing that's set. Except for his love for us. Bible tells us that heaven and earth will pass away. But his word abides forever. And I'll say to myself, boasting. You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. It's interesting that he would say it to himself. I remember that sometimes you can boast to yourself. No, seriously, some people boast to themselves. Some people look at themselves in the mirror. I don't know who does that, but like, ah, yeah, you've made it. <laughs> now look, he says, I will say to myself. He wasn't even saying this to a whole crowd out there. I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Some of you on the outside, you seem all shy and so on, but you boast to yourself. Take life easy. Chill. Eat. Drink. 
and be merry. But God said to him, you know, I have a feeling this guy was just thinking this. He might have just been thinking it, but God knows our thoughts. And he says, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. That's what I've been trying to teach my kids because they keep saying things like, yeah, I know, but you know, when I get lots of money, I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this, and then I'll do this because I'm so good. They say all of that. And I said to them, guys, I'm studying the whole thing about boasting and bragging at the moment. And that sounds like bragging. No, it's not bragging. No, I'm just saying because that's what will happen. Okay. <laughs> They've always got a reason. <clears throat> you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for? What you have prepared for? There's nothing wrong with wanting to be wealthy. If your mindset is, I'm not preparing this for myself. I'm doing this primarily to advance the kingdom of God. But you see, the mindset of mammon is... I'm doing this so that I can be set because this is my source. This is my sustainer. If you look at the word father, it's the word in the Greek pater, and that literally means source, sustainer, nourisher, upholder. God is our source. The moment you see money as your source and your sustainer, and you say, now that I've got this, I'm set. God comes and he looks, and what does he say? He calls you a fool. Any fools here today? Any fools here today? So with this in mind, why do people boast? Why do we boast? Primarily people boast because they're insecure. Why do I need to tell you how great I am? I need to tell you how great I am because I myself am not secure in my own greatness. If you're not secure in your own greatness, you have to tell people because you're taking matters in your own hands. I need to convince you guys how great I am so that you can admire me more and like me more because I'm not too sure if I will be loved. Are you following me this morning? The word secure comes from a Latin word, two Latin words, secura, which means without care. So when you're insecure, you're with many cares. So when you walk into a room and you're worried, how do I look? How are people going to receive me? Am I going to get enough honor from them? That insecurity causes you to then have to flaunt out your CV to every single person you meet. So that they can worship you. People boast because they're insecure. They need you to approve of them and validate them. That's why they have to tell you of their exploits. Have you ever wondered, why, why are you telling me that? You have some people, the moment you meet them, they're in, yeah, and then this, then I did this, mm -hmm, then I'm now doing this, and, so, and they never have time to ask you about what's happening in your life. And you're thinking to yourself, I haven't seen this person for a long time, and they're just telling me about their exploits. And then they say cheers, if they, if they say cheers at all. <laughs> Why would someone do that? They're addicted to your validation and your approval. They're essentially insecure. They look magnanimous when they come and flamboyant. But the, the thing that gives it away is the fact that they can't get into your world and they have to sing their own praises. Why? Because they need your worship. You see, when you understand that in Christ you're complete, I'm complete in Christ. Christ is enough for me. When you are secure in that, you're not trying to attach additional labels to yourself. You see, when people boast, and there are many things people boast about, and we'll go into that just now, but when people boast about who they know and who they're associated with, why are they doing that? They're insecure. So I have to tell you that my uncle is so-and-so. Why do I have to tell you that? Because Paul Yamuda by himself is not enough. Paul and Christ, us, just it's not enough. I now need these add-ons, don't I? Oh, do you know who I was with? And then you see these things on Facebook, eh? Pictured with so-and-so. <laughs> Doing this with so-and-so. Now, just because someone does that, I'm not judging their intent. Please don't get me wrong. 
Because you can have two people. One person does it, and it's like, oh, this is interesting stuff, let's celebrate. Someone else does it, but it's because they themselves feel insecure as a person. So they now need add-ons. Is Christ and you, just your oneness with Christ, is that enough? Is that enough? So they're insecure. They need your validation. They don't see God as their source. You see, when I know that God is my source of love, when I know that God is my source of validation, I don't need yours. When I know that God is my source of approval, my source of honor, I don't need the honor that comes from man. They have a warped value system. People boast because they've got a warped value system. Have you ever noticed some people will come up to you and they'll boast about something that you don't value? Have you ever seen that? They'll come and they'll say like, yeah, then I was in first team this and then I represented my country for this, then I actually did this. And they're going for it and everyone's just sitting. But in everyone else's value system, that's not a big deal. And so what happens is that when your value system is warped, you assume everyone admires the things that you admire, but they don't. And you know what research has found? Research has found that when people are boasting, they actually overestimate the favorable response from their hearers. And they underestimate the negative response from their hearers. In other words, when we're boasting, we assume everyone actually is enjoying it and likes it. Right? We assume that. I had a situation, I think it was yesterday, and one of my kids had been with their mom somewhere and came back and I think we were eating supper or something and he was now going for it, telling his brother, brothers. And then your mom and I did this, then we played this game, then we did this, and then we did this, and then we ate this, and we ate a whole bowl of this. It was healthy stuff. This, you know, and we finished it in two minutes. And I looked at the other kids and they seemed a bit distracted. They weren't really listening. <laughs> Ask yourself, when I am boasting, how is it impacting the people around me? Are they drawn to me? Do they warm up to me? Or are they actually like, oh, here she goes again. <laughs> Even when it comes to boasting about relationships, you see this with girls and boys, single girls and boys. Oh, then so-and-so sent me a card. Then guess who I got a call from? You're making the assumption that everyone else around you listening to you admires that same person. You see, the reason why people boast is essentially they're assuming that everyone else in the world has the same values as their parents. Think about it. If you've grown up in a family setting where you are told being a lawyer, that's just the epitome of everything. You know, even like the guys in suits, being a lawyer in New York City, you know? You know how they speak about if you're a lawyer somewhere else like this, it's not really it, you know? If you went to Harvard and studied law there, and then you're a lawyer in New York City, that's it. And they probably had their dads telling them that that's, that's just it. That's the climax of your career, right? Now, if you grew up and this thing became this wonderful high place in your life, this stronghold in your mind, even though you don't enjoy law, but your dad wanted you to do it, right? And then you're like, wow, this is amazing. When you're now updating people saying, ah, guys, I've now done my master's, or I've now qualified for this. Or, By the way, if there are any lawyers, I'm not dissing lawyers, I'm just using them. I could have said engineering, okay? I could have said medicine, right? And sometimes you go on about your exploits, but guess what? People are looking and for them it's not a big deal. For them you might as well just have said like, yeah, you know what, I did that other course last week and you know, I'm working really hard and they admire that. So remember, not everyone in the world has the same value system as your parents. Does that make sense? I see it happening with people when it comes to sports. People who had sporting parents and then they're now telling the whole world about how great they were as an athlete and people are just looking. If you're like me, when I grew up, I got certain awards at school, but some of those awards my parents didn't fully understand. When I went home and I would show them a particular honors tie, you know, now people like Ishe who went to the same school I did, he knows the significance of an honors tie. But the rest of the world, <laughs> you go, you show people like, and so on, it's like, okay, cool. 
But some people aren't socially aware enough to actually understand that people don't share the same values as you. Amen. Amen. I like what someone once said. They said, a lot of us don't learn that not everyone thinks as highly of us as our parents do and might not react as well. One of the things that has been found in research, there's a particular person, uh, Diana Tamer uh, from Harvard. She's a neuroscientist. And they did some research on boasting and they found something interesting. They found that bragging gives the same sensation of pleasure as food and money. The same areas of the brain are activated. Scans have actually shown that. So you know when you're eating your favorite dessert, like I don't always get it like how excited people get about food, to be honest with you. I'm just, you know, <laughs> I, I, I've tried to coach my kids around, like you don't have to lick the bowl after you eat and just like, just chill, the food is finished, right? But you know that, you know, the dopamine effect type of thing in your brain and so on, and you feel elated. Well, the same impact has, uh, boasting has on you. Okay, that's what they found. And when you look at the notes, I can go into more detail. There's more detail around it. Okay, in related tests, the scientists used a functional magnet magnetic resonance imaging scanner with which tracked changes in blood flow between neurons associated with mental activity to see what parts of the brain responded most strongly when people talked about their own beliefs and options rather than speculating about other people. Generally, acts of self-disclosure were accompanied by spurts of heightened activity in brain regions belonging to the mesolimbic dopamine system, which is associated with a sense of reward and satisfaction from food, money, and yes, you guessed it, sex. Okay? Isn't that interesting? And have you noticed that sometimes when you're listening to someone speak and share, have you noticed how elated they look when they're talking about, well, I reckon, well, my opinion is makes you feel good makes you feel good now imagine we took all of that and translated it into bragging and boasting about jesus talking about jesus's options jesus's opinions jesus's word god's view concerning nations and not just my view amen other researchers found that when we when we boast we overestimate people's positive reactions isn't that deception We'll be going in thinking like, let me tell them this, and we're so excited, just like we're looking forward to making money or eating that nice dessert. <laughs> okay? And people are like, girl, you ain't all that. There she goes again. Now, <clears throat> what I find interesting is, if you look in scripture, we see that worldly wisdom and pride actually corrupts you. When you walk in pride, it corrupts your wisdom. You become corrupted in your mind. I'll go into that a little later. And you end up deceived. So when we know that we're supposed to worship Jesus and give him all the glory, why is it that as Christians we still boast? I want to paint a picture, a bit of a portrait for you concerning this boasting thing. You see, there are different types of boasting. There's boasting from childhood, isn't there? Ever since we were little kids, what would we say? My dad's bigger than your dad. Right? We do that, don't we? Doesn't matter how overweight the dad is, little kids are just like, my dad's bigger than your dad. My dad's got a bigger tummy than your dad, so he's stronger. Right? My mom's prettier than your mom. So from childhood, we are boasters, aren't we? People say children are just so innocent, so pure, so holy. Children don't need to be taught to boast. I find it interesting how men and women are different. Don't you find it fascinating? It's like when I do my workshops and seminars and stuff, we're sitting, having lunch, and I notice women, when they're getting their first course, they don't say much, they just get their first. But when they're getting dessert, they talk about it. You know, it's like, are you gonna come and try this with me? And then they go together and so on. You know, it's this group thing. And it was so interesting, this last week, there was this guy, he was quite a fiery red sort of, you know, character. He would just speak his mind. And I found it interesting, we were speaking, and it was just dudes at the table. And the way he gets up to go and get his dessert, he says, you're going to see how, you, I'm going to see how jealous you guys will be when you see what I get for my dessert. And he goes forward. 
So guys who boast about anything, you know, how nice the dessert is that they're going to have and how it was better than yours. But I find it interesting, when we're growing up, we would boast about our parents and their exploits, okay? We can even boast about other people close to us, but the motive is for our own praise. My best friend did such and such. Just be careful about it. Be careful, especially when you boast about your children, because that actually informs them and educates them concerning what's important in life. If you only brag about them, especially when other people are there and they're listening in, and all you're saying is like, my child did this in class, my child is so good at this, oh, they're really gifted at that. That child begins to see that, oh, I'm loved because of my brilliance. I am important and interesting as long as I achieve great stuff out there. You see, be careful what you say in front of your children. Amen. I like what, um, there's, there's something that my wife sent through to me, written by a well-known um, mothering expert, journalist uh, lady. And she said that how parents speak to their children becomes the inner voice of those kids. How we speak to our children becomes their inner voice later on. I see people with guilt, with fear, with shame. Well, where does it come from? What did your parents boast about to you? Did they say to you, wow, I love the way you're just such a hard worker. I love the way you did your best. Whether you got 90% or 80%, you did your best. I love the way you just love Jesus and you just love worshipping him. It's such a wonderful quality. What are we boasting about concerning the people around us? Even us as pastors. I have to be careful of that because the principle is the same. You see the church culture being determined by what's celebrated in a church. May I say that again? The church culture is determined by what's celebrated in a church. How do, you, how do you create culture? Culture is created by what's taught. So if we want a culture of humility, we have to teach on humility. Culture is created by what's modeled. If we want a culture of humility, we have to model humility. Culture is created by what's measured. If we're not measuring attendance at small groups, we won't create a culture of small groups. Amen? Amen. Culture is created by what's rewarded. You get what you reward. If we did a thing where we just said, oh, how many people did you lead to Christ this week? Did anyone lead anyone to Christ this week? And we begin to celebrate that. Guess what? Very quickly, a culture of evangelism is created. What culture are you creating in your family? You create culture based on what you celebrate and boast about. A lot of men, they boast about their exploits with women. But that reveals their insecurity. A guy who goes around, and guys at school used to do that. I remember one guy coming up to me one time. I think we were about 14 years of age. And I found it so bizarre. Because out of the blue, I wasn't even having a conversation with him. He just came up. And this is a guy who had been through a tough time. His father had abandoned him and all sorts of things like that. And he just comes up to me. Paul, I've got more charm than you. I've got more charm than you. I'm a charmometer. <laughs> all these rap, rap stars. How many rap music stars do you know who are very secure people who are validated and affirmed by their fathers? And one of the things rap music is known for is boasting. That's what it is. A lot of it is just boasting. Oh yes, other MCs are like this, but I'm the latest, the baddest, the biggest, the best. And do you know why people enjoy it? Because they embrace it and internalize it as their own rap. Remember back in there? So it's like, I'm now the greatest, the biggest, the baddest. Amen? Come on now, we all did it. I remember as a teenager, my one rap, you know, I, I'll start off with my initials are P.A.T. So I'll start off, I'm the MC Fresh P.A.T. The one you hear on radio. Listen to the rap, listen to the rap. I'm the MC Fresh P.A.T. The one you hear on radio and see on TV. The one you're trying to answer. You want to hear a rhyme? Well, here we go. 
God. And then I started giving God the glory. Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. He came into my life and he changed my behavior. Now he is my one and my only yo. That is my testimony. But even for us Christian rappers, even for us Christian rappers, Nothing beats old school. <laughs> Think of all those raps. What are the guys doing? They're giving themselves the glory. But essentially, you see how insecure a lot of the guys are. Then they're in jail two weeks later, and you're like, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. It was all a mask. It was all a facade. Those people you're intimidated by in the workplace, where they look like they're so grandiose, ask them three questions deep. And you see the insecurities underneath it all. Watch out for the person who's always singing their own praises. You know how you minister to them? Minister to that insecurity. Tell them that they're loved just the way they are. They don't have to flaunt it. And put it in the press. <clears throat> you can boast about the past and you can boast about the future. There's some people who boast a lot about the future. How I'm going to do this? I just watch this space, guys. Me. <laughs> and then there are people who boast about the past. Even parents. This is how we suffered. Parents like doing that, don't they? You kids don't know how tough life is. But what's the motive? Is the motive... To glorify Jesus that he kept us through all of that and we're so grateful and we want you kids to be grateful? Or is it, look how hardworking I am? Yes, right now I feel so insecure because my business is messed up and I'm not achieving that much and the reason I'm really boasting is I want you kids to really admire me so now I'm going to tell you about my exploits back in the day. And that's where the kids are thinking, but daddy, why don't you tell us about what you're doing right now? You can boast before man, and you can also boast before God. Be careful when you come to God in prayer. Be careful of self-righteous praise. Lord, you've seen how I've done this. Lord, you've seen how I've served you faithfully by doing this. And God is listening to that prayer and he's just thinking, this stinks. Because your righteousness is like filthy rags in comparison to my son. Why are you coming declaring how good you are? Don't you know that... No flesh can boast in my presence. The basis of our breakthrough is not our self-righteous acts. Besides all the things you're telling God, he already knows anyway. And, and, if, and if he spoke back to you, he'll probably say, yeah, but when you did that, you're doing it for the wrong motives. So that thing you're so impressed with about yourself is not actually that impressive. In fact, when you did that thing, it was stinking in my nostrils, actually. You see, when we come to God in prayer, we should be declaring the righteousness of Jesus. We should be declaring His goodness and the wonderful covenant that we have with Him. Because we are now in Him. That's the basis of our righteousness. It's His righteousness. Isn't that beautiful? There's a lot of gossip that happens. And how many of you know that gossiping is a form of boasting? Because when a person gossips, what are they doing? They're boasting about how they were first to know about something. Hey guys, I just want to give you the heads up. Yeah, we were in that board meeting, yeah. So the guy just told me. But they said that I was the only person that they actually told. So yeah, I just want to update you so that you're in the loop. But I'm not supposed to actually tell anyone about this. A few minutes later, everyone knows. Why are they addicted to telling everyone? Because they're addicted to that acceptance from those people. I'm insecure in and of myself and I really want to belong to that group. I want to be in with you guys. So here, let me give you an update on what's happening. Even though I'm not supposed to tell you. A lot of boasting that happens in social media, isn't there? Proverbs 27 verse 1 to 2. Do not boast about tomorrow. Don't boast about the future. It's one thing to make a faith declaration based on God's goodness. 
It's another thing to boast and brag based on your on, on your own self-righteousness. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Let another praise you. How many of you know that in order for us to get business out there, very often we have to write out our CVs. And how many of you know that CVs, in a sense, one could argue that you're actually boasting, right? But it's legitimate boasting, okay? It's like, I've done this, I've done that, right? I remember um, I was being asked recently to do something for a particular university, and I sat in the meeting, and the guy was saying, Paul, tell us about yourself. And I started talking about it. This guy had come through from the States, talking about myself. And I started feeling uncomfortable at a certain point. And I said to the guy, it feels a bit awkward. I feel like I'm going on a bit about myself. And then he said to me something interesting. He says, that's okay. I want you to do so. That's the purpose of this meeting, is to talk about yourself. So not all talking about yourself is illegitimate. Does that make sense? Jesus said, let your light shine before all men. But here's the wisdom. Let others praise you. Let another person be able to say it. I was watching a particular guy who I actually quite admire. He was being interviewed. And at a certain point, it felt funny when he spoke about an award he had received. He had received this award five times. And he was just talking and he dropped it in. It was such a powerful talk. At a certain point, he says, yeah, well, I actually did such and such and such because I think, as you know, I was the five-time award winner of this and this. And he carried on. But it felt funny because he was saying it himself. What are you saying about yourself that maybe other people should be saying about you? I'm saying this because I know there are a lot of business people and the question is often, well, how can we actually put our stuff out there? How can we couch our profile so that people take us seriously? A lot of things sound better coming from someone else. Okay. You see, sometimes when you have to take matters into your own hands, what typically happens is it's a sign that you're getting very anxious and you're not trusting that another person can do it for you. Now what's interesting is it goes on to say, let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. You see, when you humble yourself, God raises you up. And the way God raises you up, he does it in so many different ways that you'll hear people speaking great things about you, but from all over the world. You'll go to certain meetings where you feel like and you think you're unknown. But you realize there's someone who actually knows you and, and your life has changed their life. Do you trust that God can use other people to speak well of you? Do you trust that? In James 4 verse 13 to 14 it says, Now listen, you who say to, today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 28 to 29. And the base things of the world and the, and the despised God has chosen. The things that are not, so that they may nullify the things that are. So that no man may boast before God. Have we been boasting before the Lord? So the ultimate question is, who gets the glory? You see, sometimes we focus on semantics. I speak to some people and their mindset is, I, just, I don't want to sound arrogant. It's not about how you're sounding so much as it is about what's going on in your heart. What is the intention? I will often tell certain stories and I will tell them with the intention of inspiring other people. You see, it's one thing to get up and to say, this and this happened in my life. It's actually not rocket science. It's not because I'm so smart. You can also do it. This is how you apply yourself. Yeah. Amen? Mm. It's another thing when someone gets up and says, this is what I did, and you can't touch this. None of you can touch this. I have made a mystery all my life. Ah, don't you love me? Please, just worship me some more. Can you see the difference? What are some common things people like to boast about? They like to boast about how sick they are. Have you noticed that? I want to highlight some of the unusual things. You know those people where you say, I've got a migraine. If you've got a migraine, they must have a brain tumor. <laughs> you know the people I'm talking about? You're barely starting to talk about your ailment and they hijack the conversation and talk about how bad things are for them. 
You talk about your accidents that you had the other day. You know, oh, we just bumped into another car and they already started to tell you a story about how bad theirs was, theirs was three months ago. So people boast about their sicknesses. People boast about how much medication they're on. Have you noticed that? Hey guys, then look, yeah, then I've got this, then I'm taking this, and I was on this, and then this, and this, and then I had to take this. Like, why are you saying that? Why are you telling everyone that? Okay, big deal. Then what? What happened? People will boast about how little they spent on something, how thrifty they are. Ah, guys, you know me, I'm good at getting deals. Instead of recognizing God's favor in the situation. People will boast about how much money they're making. Or how they conned someone. How shrewd they were. Okay. Can everyone hear me? Thanks. People will boast about a new thing that they've acquired. They'll boast about their sexual prowess and charm. How much they've suffered. How much food they ate. I finished the whole thing. Especially guys. How God used them. We boast about how God used us. What they did to get their breakthrough. And then some people will boast about fabrications. They'll actually make up stories. I remember a particular guy. He had been leading a Christian group at a particular school. And I remember at a particular camp. I said, guys, come up for prayer. Whatever you need prayer for. I said, what do you need prayer for? And this guy said, I'm a compulsive liar. It's a problem I've got, I just lie. Then I asked him a question, and there was revived, there was breakthrough in the school he was at. And I asked him a question, I said, what do you lie about? And he was at a boarding school, and he said to me, you know what, Paul? When I go home on week, for weekends, or during the holiday, when I then come back after the weekend, I make up stories about what I was doing. And I said, why do you do that? And he said, so that I'm accepted by people. People will boast about things that are not even true in order to gain acceptance. Now someone once said, there was a particular lady called Lucy, age 34, said, no one ever compliments me, so I say nice things about myself. I talk about my successes to the point that I'm, I seem big-headed, but whatever, as long as people pay me some attention. Sometimes our boasting is attention-seeking behavior. You see, if a child doesn't get enough attention, the child will not believe he or she is interesting. If a child doesn't get attention, that child will not believe that he or she is interesting. The child goes out into the world with a fragile ego, looking for the love and recognition that they have missed. We see this with men and we see this with women. This is why it's so crucial for us, isn't it? To abide in God's word and God's love. Otherwise, you'll always be looking for love in the wrong places. You'll be looking for love in the various counterfeits. My question to you is, do you know that you are loved? Are you abiding in his love? And when you say and do what you do, what is the intent? Are you looking for love in the wrong places? Number six, narcissism and self-centeredness. There's another shade of pride. Narcissism. Narcissism is what? It's self-love and self-centeredness. Now, I don't know how many of you know, but narcissism is actually a personality disorder, isn't it? And there are a lot of narcissists out there that don't know they're narcissists. And one of the worst things is if you find yourself, girls, in a relationship with a guy who's a narcissist. It's very often linked to violence. A lot of narcissists are also violent people, okay? So I want to outline to you, just so you have an idea of narcissism and what it looks like. And very often, if you actually look at the diagnosis of a narcissist, if people just have five of these, then it applies to them. Has a grandiose sense of self-importance. How many of you know that there's some people who are so-called men of God who are actually narcissists? If they actually were to go into... Some, to visit some psychologist and actually uh, have the diagnosis take place, they will be categorized as a narcissist. Has a grandiose sense of self-importance. Some people who end up leading cults are that way inclined. 
is occupied with fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, or ideal love. A lot of people who get addicted to porn, stemming from insecurity, they're just imagining this life, this paradise, where they're just surrounded by all you know, the opposite sex, loving on them, doing all sorts of fancy things to them. Okay? But at its root, there's insecurity. Thirdly, believes that he or she is special and unique and can only be un- understood by or should associate with other special or high-status people or institutions. Number four, requires excessive admiration, regularly fishes for compliments, and is highly susceptible to flattery. So if you say something nice to them, it boosts them and it energizes them. If you say something horrible, it messes up their day. They're literally a slave to the praise and the criticism of other people. Has a sense of entitlement is interpersonally exploitative. So they've got no boundaries. They literally believe that everyone is there to serve them. When they talk to you, they relate to you on the basis of what you can do for them. Often a lot of them are con artists, by the way. They'll relate to you based on what they can get from you. There are no boundaries. Everyone is their tool to boost them. They lack empathy. So they can't feel into. They can't feel where you're at. They don't wear other people's moccasins. Adults, grown-ups like this, where you talk to them, but they can't actually see the world from your perspective and aren't willing to. Number eight. They're often envious of others or believe that others are envious of them. So you'll see that when people give them feedback on something, when people try and help them out in a particular way, they'll be like, yeah, they're just jealous of me. I'm like, what's there to be jealous about? Ah, everyone wants to be like me. No. Very often they show arrogant, haughty, rude and abusive behaviors or attitudes. You see, they tend to react in rage when you criticize them. They can't handle criticism. They literally will react in rage because the moment you criticize them, the moment you give them, even if it's gentle feedback, they feel a sense of shame. And when they feel that sense of shame, what they do is they take all those horrible feelings they're feeling and they project them back onto you. And they're like, you think, you say I'm bad? No, you are the one who's bad. And they get violent in order to control you. I don't know if you've met people like this, but it's out there. Maybe not here, but it's out there. You know the kind of people, and I've seen these in some of my workshops, people who can't actually say, I actually learned quite a bit, thank you, Paul. They'll come in and they might be the leader of a team, and they're very quick to show you that they don't need the training. So they'll say, yeah, the only reason I'm here, Paul, you know, I just thought, let me come in and encourage these the junior guys. I just wanted to be like, I thought if they can get some tips and so on, you know, the guys need to... I'm like, why are you spending all this time telling me that? Why is it so important for you to convince me that you don't need the training? You know why? Narcissists can't put themselves into a position of dependence. They don't like that sense of Oh, I am reacting emotionally to something you've done. You've actually impacted me. These are the kind of people after training, they'll come to you afterwards and they'll say, you know what, Paul, what is so good about this is I've been doing all the stuff, but I wasn't sure whether I was doing it, and this just confirmed that I'm on the right track. (laughs) Why would someone say that? Paul, thanks, you know, it was a good refresher. Now, I know that some of the things I would have covered were very original. You don't find them in books out there. I'll know that. That was a good refresher. Where did you first learn this thing? It was a refresher. They get very defensive and they'll attack you when, and when attacked. So my question to you today is, Do you genuinely want to become less whilst Jesus becomes more in the sight of man? 
Is your sole motive for what you do in church so that Jesus is glorified more? Are you addicted to the validation and the honor that comes from man? You see, in Matthew chapter 23, verse 6 to 8, we see a lot of narcissists, don't we? When Jesus would talk about the Pharisees, he was describing their narcissistic behavior. Matthew 23, verse 6 to 8 says, They love the place of honor at banquets. Is there anything wrong with being given a place of honor at a banquet? Nothing wrong with that. But the problem is when you love it and you look for it. They love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues. You say to me, Paul, this doesn't happen nowadays. These are the Pharisees. Just go to a Christian conference or a pastor's conference and see how church leaders are caught up with where they are put. What row am I going to be in? Huh? How come I'm in the third row? <laughs> just sit. I've been part of big churches. Where, just sit in meetings where you see how it stresses out the organizers. Because the organizers are trying to make sure no one feels offended. It shouldn't have to be like that. We should be mature Christian leaders where if I'm put in the back, I'm really happy and content with that. I'm just so grateful that I can hear the message and learn it. Listen to the Christian testimonies that come out. And guys, we were really honored. We were actually, we actually were sat right next to so-and-so. It reveals our value system. The fact that we even think that way. They love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplace. What are respectful greetings in the marketplace? It's enjoying titles, enjoying the title that you are given. Reverend, doctor, bishop, chief, overseer, apostle. <laughs> and some people, they use their title like it's their first name. I'm like, I was speaking to someone recently over the phone, and they actually needed a favor from me. And they phoned me and they said like, I, I, was, I had to guess because I hadn't spoken to them. Anymore. I, who, who are they? In the end, they told me, I'm apostle so-and-so. It's apostle so-and-so. I'm not an apostle to me. Not my apostle. <laughs> you know some people speak about their titles like it's their first name. Yeah. And then you start thinking, okay, if you're so-and-so with this wonderful title, then why are you coming to me for help? Surely people in your great apostleship or apostolate could help you? Why are you coming to me? Respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Do you love respectful greetings? What's the motivation? Do you get offended if people don't call you the right thing? Why does it affect you so much? <clears throat> and being called rabbi by men. But do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, and you are all brothers. I shared with you last week, there are levels, there is rank, there are things we do in order to honor each other. But our heart's desires as men and women of God, our heart's desire should be that Jesus is lifted up as the great teacher. Jesus is lifted up as the great apostle. Jesus is lifted up as our source. You see, there's nothing wrong with being honored, but it becomes a problem when you look for it and you love it and you can't cope without it. What did Jesus say about himself? John 5 verse 41. He says, I do not accept glory from human beings. This is Jesus speaking. So your favorite rap star is there, enjoying the praise. Hear me, hear me. Enjoying the praise. Jesus says, I do not accept glory from human beings. In the, in the NLT it says, your approval means nothing to me. 
in the ESV, he says, I do not receive glory from people. So, how do we deal with it? When people say nice things about you, it's okay to, to appreciate them. To say thank you for that, that's encouraging. And then let them know that it's not by your strength or your might. Thanks, that's encouraging. I'm really fortunate to have a great team. Does that make sense? If you want to acknowledge someone who God is using mightily, don't just say to them like, Oh, Ishe, you're just, oh, you're just so gifted. You're the man. Oh, you're the man, daddy. Oh, let me worship you. You say, Ishe, we're so grateful that you've allowed God to use you in such a powerful way. Thank you for making yourself available. Can you see what's happening? We would not have been blessed if he hadn't allowed himself to be used. So we're appreciating his availability. Amen? Right? It's like what we do concerning the worship team. We're not giving them glory. Michael did it re really well. He says, guys, can we show appreciation for these guys making themselves available to be used by God in this way? Amen? And then finally, number seven. The seventh shade of pride. This is intellectual pride. This is when we question God's ways and God's word. Intellectual pride. For those of you who are clever, who are smart, who used to come first in class, don't raise your hand. Otherwise you'll be accused of boasting. Right? Be very careful of this. Be very careful. I've seen it affect people and it short circuits the anointing. It short circuits the anointing. How many of you know that when you're intellectually clever, but you want to be used by God in terms of the anointing, sometimes you have to do foolish things in order to usher in his presence. And how many of you know that in order to do that, you have to set aside your own reasoning. There are times when you literally have to say, God, I'm not going to try and figure this thing out. Yes, I won lots of awards figuring things out, but you know what? I'm laying that aside. Why? Your ways are higher than my ways. And they are way, way higher. Not just a photo finish first. Now, watch this. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. If you struggle this morning with intellectual pride, be very careful because it's probably a stronghold in your mind. And it's something that will take time to dismantle. Casting down, look at, look at it in the NKJV, in the New King James. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself. That word exalt means to be filled with pride. It means to raise itself up. So the root of a stronghold is usually pride. This thing that raises itself up against what? Against God's knowledge. Knowledge raises itself up against knowledge. Against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What we mean, what is that word arguments? It's the word judgments, decisions, reasoning, computations. Could it be that there are computations that this nation is making? That rulers in this nation are making based on their wisdom of the world and not God's wisdom. So we're saying we're coming against and we're demolishing those computations in our minds. We're coming against those reasonings in our minds that are coming against and raising up themselves in pride against God's knowledge. I'm going to know that this is true in our nation even right now. Where you'll sit in meetings and based on the principle of tolerance, people will say, don't say anything against that. And it sounds so wise and so clever, but it's actually a reasoning that has raised itself up against the knowledge of Christ. What do we mean by a high thing? A high thing is basically an elevated structure. And it's a term that will be used in war times. You know in war times they'll make a bulwark, right? They'll erect something and it protects you, doesn't it? Okay, when you're fighting and you have this erected structure, a stronghold. How many of you know that very often these defense mechanisms we have in our minds are erected structures, high things that have been erected 
as defense mechanisms against God convicting us. No, this is my idea. No, 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 no. There's some people out there that are lesser people because of their ethnic group. Many of you know the spirit of racism is a stronghold in many people's minds. Tribalism. Now just watch this. I'm about to close. In James 3, verse 14 to 17. It says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. The wisdom, this wisdom, is not that which comes down from above. What wisdom are we talking about? The one that erects itself, exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. It says here, and now in looking in James, this wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but it's earthly, it's natural, it's demonic. It's demonic. Right now, as, we, as I'm speaking, in this nation, there's demonic wisdom that has infiltrated even our legal system, where laws that are demonically inspired are being created. And you know that a lot of times wars are started, genocides begin because of this devilish wisdom. And it's rooted in pride. It's that pride where man thinks, I can do it by myself. I'm going to set aside God's laws and God's ways. It says in verse 16, For where there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil thing. Not just some evil things, every evil thing. If you study history, those of you who studied history, if you look at how wars began, if you look at all these killings, genocides that we've seen, if you look at how many people Stalin destroyed in his own nation, and if you look at how it was rooted in an idea, it was rooted in ideology, it was rooted in demonic wisdom. If you look at what Hitler did and how it was influenced by the theory of evolution, that there's some so-called races that are more superior and greater than others. And then you look at the Nazi Holocaust and what happened there. Devilish wisdom, every evil thing. Could it be that there's certain ideas that have become strongholds in your family? Could it be that there's certain ideas that have become strongholds at your school? In a church? But the wisdom from above, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy. When it talks about it's gentle, other translations say it's submissive. It's humble. Full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Then finally, Ezekiel chapter 28 Verse 17. I want to show you the link between pride and questioning God. We see the devil and how he fell. And he says, your heart became proud. When you see someone rebelling, you'll notice that it's been preempted by pride. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty. And you corrupted your wisdom. Remember I said to you earlier on, pride corrupts wisdom. Your heart became proud because of your, of your beauty. My question to you this morning is, what causes your heart to become proud? Has your heart become proud because you're clever? Has your heart become proud because you're successful? Has your heart become proud because you're basically like the devil was? Because of your splendor. It says, so I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. What is causing your heart to become proud? And you know what is interesting? Here Lucifer was proud. And then look at the very same Lucifer, what he ends up doing when he speaks to Eve. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals. The Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, 
did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Pride leads us to question God's ways. Did God really say? Right now we're in a nation where the same mentality is, exists. There are things that have been clearly stipulated in scripture and people today with their own wisdom, they're exalting their own wisdom and say, but guys, has, has God really said we can't just kill off old people? Has he really said we can't? Has God really said, you know, people, same-sex, can't really marry each other? I mean, let's, let's look at it. Come on, guys. You know, the Bible is an ancient book. And Christians are buying into it. And Christians are okay with some of this kind of thing. I want to end off by showing you a picture in scripture of this. Let's take the thing of same-sex marriages. Let's, let's talk about homosexuality. Look how clearly the Bible states this. Leviticus 20, verse 12 to 14. If there is a man who lies with his daughter-in-law, both of them shall surely be put to death. They have committed incest. Their blood guiltiness is upon them. If there is a man who lies with a male, as those who lie with a woman, both of them have committed a detestable act. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood guiltiness is upon them. If there is a man who marries a woman and her mother, it is immorality. We see this in soapies and things like that, don't we? Both he and they shall be burnt with fire so that there will be no immorality in your midst. Okay? Now, you say to me, but Paul, that was the Old Testament. New Testament, Romans 1 verse 27. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women. Now, some, some will say, but I was born like that, so it's not my fault. I'm reading here, it says, in the same way, the men, who did it? The men also abandoned natural relations with women. Right? And were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Now you'll have people who've struggled with their sexual identity and there's work we do where we bring wholeness and healing. But you have others who will say, uh-uh, no, I was born like this, this is me, leave me to my own devices. Questioning the ways of the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 to 11. Also a New Testament example. Or do you know, do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be South Africa, do not be South Africa, do not be do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. That's what he's saying. So he's saying some of you were like this, meaning there's a place of restoration in the kingdom of God. That it doesn't matter what background you've come from, it is possible to be delivered and freed. But do not be deceived and question God's word and say, but no, it's fine. I'm a Christian and I love Jesus, but Jesus is also okay with this. He's not okay with it. And I've shown you three scriptures. The Bible tells us that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, a matter is established. It says, but you are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You see, we cannot anymore in this nation question God's way.